Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. As we get very close to entering into the 30s of this year's 50 most relevant. We're at number 43 today. We're talking about Essendon superstar Jordan Ridley. And given the surname, I felt it very appropriate for the first episode in the 50 most relevant where we've got the dream team winner from last year, the Coaches Panel own Rids on. Hello, buddy. How are you? Hey, mate. How you going? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited to talk about Jordan Ridley. He was one of the breakout performers of 2020. And the question everybody's going to be wondering is, can he do it again? Before we get into any more depth about him, the 22-year-old defender had a blinder of a season. His best games last year were his career high scores across the formats. It was 108 in AFL Fantasy versus the West Coast. Uh, While in that same game in Supercoach round 15, it was a 130. His average last year was a 71.5 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. If you want to know what that is in, in, you know, in terms of an accorded adjusted average based on how AFL Fantasy have priced guys, it's around about an 89 is what he's done. While in Supercoach, just shy of that 102 marker, it was a 101.9 was his seasonal average. In that format of Supercoach, he's going to sit back just under 550K. He's 683,000 in AFL Fantasy, just a touch over 660,000. Rids, when we talk about breakout performers, with these players that we are priced nice and juicy, but get a really fantasy-friendly role and then go on to deliver, Jordan Ridley was almost kind of like the pot at the end of gold, wasn't he? Where he delivered everything for us and became a premium by the season over. Yeah, 100%, mate. And he's only young and he's only developing and he's going to get better as he goes. And that's probably the really exciting thing. He was recognized for his incredible season at Essendon. And he just found a way to continue to just deliver score after score after score after score. The way he ended the year wasn't as strong, but the way he started it was incredibly strong. Last year, he ranked 10th across the entirety of the AFL for total marks. But per game, he was averaged 6th. He ranked 16th across the league for rebound 50s and effective disposals per game. He ranked second in the AFL. Yeah, this guy knows how to get towards the ball, intercept with it, rebound, and effectively distribute the ball predominantly by foot, but certainly by hand. Last year in Supercoach, he had an increase of 35 points per game by average and finished the year with an average of 101. He managed 10 tons. Uh, A bunch of them were over 120. So he's got a nice little ceiling for us. Just the one score under 70 in that format all year. And in fact, in that format, it's probably the one he's the most relevant, although he's certainly got some value for us still in Dream Team and Fantasy Rids. He even opened up the year with an average of 112 in his first five games. That's up there with what people are expecting Lloyd to deliver, what people are expecting Whitfield to deliver, and even Rory Led. He's right up in that potential of the top tier of defenders. Yeah, but it's even better than that. When you actually look closer, I think he was still averaging close enough to 110 in Supercoach after eight rounds. Mm. So, I mean, that's absolutely amazing football. And so if you remember as well, now it feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? 
but he actually had those injury scares. And so he kept yeah. backing it up, backing it up. There was always those laid out rumors and everything else, you know, through the season. So, I mean, there was a period of time there where I don't think he was actually 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think there were two or three times where coaches were waiting for teams to get named and even then were getting really nervous 90 minutes before a game that he was going to be a late withdrawal. So he had an incredible year in Dream Team and Fantasy averaged just off 72. Just the one ton, again, remembering their shortened quarters, but he did have nine scores in addition, 70 plus. So look, if you want to do some funky maths, I'm not a huge fan of, of leaning too much into the adjusted scores and the adjusted averages, but really Really, that's a bunch of 80s and 90s if he kept on that scoring trend. So he's got a ceiling about him, Rids. He's got a pretty nice security about him. And I think there's actually some growth in him because there are only five games he took under five marks per game. And twice he only took more than 10. Additionally, he had only four games with 20 plus possessions. So there's some areas of the ground that he can improve and with longer quarters and with some really important players moving on from that club through trades and retirements, he's arguably, along with probably Michael Hurley, the most important player in that back line. So the whole point, and I'm happy you mentioned Michael Hurley, but I'll get to him in a second. Now, I wouldn't be taking anything into um, consideration in regards to COVID percentage rises mm. and blah, blah, blah for shorter quarters. The reality is the tall kick mark, kick mark guys usually junk it a lot late in quarters. Yeah. So there could be games here where he could have got three, four extra marks in the last two minutes of the quarter. I mean, especially with Essendon, okay, where... They may have been well and truly in front at that point in time. And, you know, or more likely that the game would have been petering out anyway. And so there would have been just a bit of jump time at the end of it. They might have been behind. They might have been in front. It doesn't matter how it works. That's just how we generally know. How many times do we see it? Um, remember back in the old days when the Western Bulldogs got it with Ryan Hargrave and those guys really late in the um quarters they seem to be on 25 30 points and suddenly it's like well they got to 70 in the last two minutes yeah so many times virtual did it many times now michael hurley though this is the interesting thing okay now if you wanted to go a little bit deeper okay for the season Mm. let's let's go i mentioned that before jordan ridley had a few injury concerns through the season there was coaches that owned him who thought pretty much he was going to be a laid out multiple times. Yeah. There was short turnarounds, round after round, short turnarounds. Now, we know round 14, 16, 17, and 18, and we'll just use the Dream Team scores, he got pretty much sub-50, sub-60, most of those scores, okay? He got 240s. Now, the reality of this is, A, with the short turnarounds not being 100% fit through the season, he may have slowed, okay? There may be an excuse for that. If 2021 gets actually to a stage where you get a week's break in between games again and it becomes consistent, every chance this guy improves through the roof. Mm. The second thing that I noticed out of this, okay, was let's go back to that name you mentioned, Michael Hurley. Now, Michael Hurley was absent in round 14. That's that's a 47 for Ridley, okay? 
Now, he was also absent in round 17. That's a 68 for Ridley. Now, in round 16 against Geelong, Hurley actually played up forward. So there was no tag team. There was no Mm. kick and chip, you know, mark, kick, mark, kick type scenario that we often see when Hurley is in that team. And it's usually tagging it with, let's say, a Jordan Ridley. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very, very interesting way to think through that. So they're the positives. You've got absolutely massive room for improvement for Mm. this guy. There's a huge amount of sin. What what intrigues me about 2021 uh, across all the formats is it feels like coaches, rightly or wrongly, have very similar sides. Now I know it's early. Like we've barely cleared a week of January. Outside of AFL Fantasy, none of the formats have officially opened. So it's early to make this comment. But it does seem that there's a lot of very similar sides and a lot of very similar back lines across the formats. People have probably two out of the three of Lloyd, Whitfield and Laird. And then probably got some value options like a Williams, a Millerer, and Isaac Cumming, just to name a few of the options through there. And then someone like a Ridley, even though he, there's not much more he could have done to prove that he's a premium across all our formats, it seems that no one's going near him this year. I, like, I've barely seen him selected in any preseason sides. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, mate. And I find it staggering because... Cookie cutter, I absolutely hate it. You know I hate it. But <laughs> vanilla teams, people go on with the obvious. By all means, it happens, you know. But it does. It seems like people are going Lloyd Whitfield, Laird, that's it, the end, move on. Yeah. Zach Williams is obviously the guy that they're jumping to next. But then they've forgotten everyone else. I mean, you think about the Jeremy Howes at the start of last year. Mm. You think about the Jordan Ridleys, especially in Supercoach. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was going 112 to 110 first in those first weeks. eight rounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just absolutely crazy. Like, people have absolutely forgotten the year before, and all they've done is pretty much jumped on the guys with the highest price. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like, I, I, I get you, you're probably not going to pick Ridley over a Lloyd. Like, I, I understand that. Even, even maybe a Whitfield. Like, if someone said, I'm going Ridley over Whitfield, I go, oh, yeah, a little bit more understand. But someone like a Rory Laird, um, th- there's at least enough in the front half of the year to suggest that if he doesn't get that midfield role and opportunity, uh, and, you know, I'm sure Rory Laird will probably appear in the 50 most relevant at some point. Um, if it's, if it's a Laird and Ridley call, especially in Supercoach, I don't think it's clear cut and dry that Laird's the guy that you pick every day of the week. There's no role question marks over Ridley. Um, there's no question marks I see about him needing to play much more accountable. They've fixed some of those tall stock long-term issues at the draft with Reed and Cox. He was clearly, I think, the most valuable and best Essendon player of last year. It's even how the club viewed him in terms of how they ranked and voted him by this season's end. They're not moving him out of that intercept third tall. They love him getting into space, marking. They love his ball use to really effectively set up play, and especially with no Sard or McKenna there, he's going to be even more crucial, even if a Smith or a Hind or a Heppel come back there so i don't think it's as clear cut with lead or anybody else that you might be considering at d3 well i'm actually i look at i don't know about you but at the moment i've got him in my teams but only 
because he's the highest points price. So that yeah, way right. then you can work your way down to someone that you can see as a better value, better draw and everything else. But have a look at that Essendon draw in the first four rounds. Now you've got Hawthorne, you've got Port Adelaide, you've got St Kilda and you've got Sydney. Nice. Now, I mean, really, I mean, there is a possibility they could win two out of those four games. Like they might even start favourites against Hawthorne and Sydney in the yeah. first four weeks. Mm. Now, I mean, who's to say Port Adelaide? Like, I mean, you just don't know. Maybe there is a little bit of chicken around the back lines and something like that against one of the top teams. So Kilda's, so Kilda's a little bit hit and miss at the moment. I mean, they're definitely on the rise. Mm. They're, they're pushing towards that top echelon of the top eight. But again, there could be that bit of chipping around the back line, trying to control the ball, doing that sort of stuff. Yeah. If you think that Ridley represents values and that he potentially could get off to a flyer over the first four weeks, and then you look at a Jake Lloyd or whoever, and, and you can pick a couple, like a couple of, Danger games where you know they might get a sub hundred. Yeah. Then I mean, why not take the risk? We're only talking about thirty points a week, aren't we? Like I mean, oh, the max, surely. Yeah, like I mean, we're not talking something that's absolutely uh, mind-boggling. Like in those dollars that you get, okay, you might potentially pick up extra. So you might pick up 15, 20 points extra mm. by utilizing those dollars. So you might only be a down 10, 15 points a game. Yeah. So I just think if you've got a gut feel on this guy, he comes out and has a decent preseason. Michael Hurley, and this is the important thing, a Michael Hurley or a hooker are pretty much said they're our fullbacks, blah, blah, blah. They're fit. They've had a good preseason. Why not start the guy if you want to go that way? Like, there's nothing stopping you doing that, especially in super coach. And again, as we keep saying, MJ, Jake Lloyd averaged 122 last year in super coach. Mm. Amazing season, yeah? Huge. We just said, though, that Jordan Ridley over the first eight rounds was going at 110, only mm. 12 points difference for the whole thing, Rodeo. And there were reasons why he might have slowed. Mm. I just, I think if you've got a gut feel on this guy, you just got to jump on. And he's only 22. Yeah, there's plenty of upside potential in him. I definitely think it's super coach is the format. If you were leaning to pick him anywhere, that's the one he's shown. He's got probably a bigger ceiling there. But in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, I still think there's a bit of value for money in that financial investment you're going to put there. So it's not a super coach or bust. I think super coach is, that's his preferred format of scoring right now. But I think in all formats of the game, you can seriously at least keep him on your watch list because he is that kind of guy that, as you said, can go on runs. He's demonstrated a ceiling. That's where he's probably a little ahead of Caleb Daniel, who we had a few days ago. Daniel's scoring deviation is probably not as drastic, but it feels like Ridley's the guy that could give you a 130, a 140, a 150, whereas Daniel really hasn't done that too often. Ridley's done that in just a handful of games last year. And that's the big thing, isn't it, really? Mm. So if you look at the price, okay, now if we're going to break it down a little bit more to the Dream Team, you know I'm a bit more Dream Team. Well, you won it last year, mate. That's fair enough too. I mean, he's 180000 cheaper in Dream Team than Jake Lloyd. Yeah. 
that's a lot of points you can get some on other lines, you know. If you could potentially go, well, that's 180,000. If I spend 90,000 here and 90,000 here on two other lines on a player mm. to get a better player, and you can get an extra 10 points each time, I mean, you'd be mad not to actually consider that. Number yeah, one, I, okay, I think a, is. I think it's a fair point, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing on top of that, okay, is. Why not strengthen the same line? So the way that I usually do with dream teams, look through and look at the guys of value, the guys that I think could actually become a top five to 10 defender, forward, whatever it is. You look at this um, Jordan Ridley. He's just outside the top 10. And he had a massive end of the year where he failed. Yeah, Like he scored very sub scores. He would have been top eight position, you know, for defenders. We're looking at guys in this top echelon, okay, where we've got Jaden Short, we've got the Luke McDonald's. You know, these guys represent massive value. Ridley's yeah. right there with them. I agree. He's right in that discussion point. Let me tell you. Yeah, I don't think I've seen one team with Jordan Ridley in it this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. It's going to be fascinating to see what his ownership percentage is like when it comes to the first partial lockout in just a couple of months' time. When it comes to drafts, it's a really interesting proposition. Um, in some people's teams, he's a he's good enough to be a D1. I, I don't doubt that. Um, I think he's more likely to get picked at D2 in a couple of sides. Again, it depends on how you like to structure your draft, but... If you want to go heavy in other lines and then pick Ridley as a D2, maybe a little bit in a, a like around later or two, you know, maybe the fourth or fifth round when others are locking in their defensive ones in the second or third, he, he's more than solid D1 if you want to get him as a, a late D1 or really nice insurance as a beefed up D2. Where are you kind of picking him in a draft, Riggs? So it all depends on what pick you've got, okay? So if you've got a early pick... I would think Jake Lloyd goes in the top five picks this year. I agree. Okay. Now, if you miss Jake Lloyd, but if you've got one on the turn, okay, so if you've got a pick on the turn and you get through to, say, the third round or so on, and you've got back-to-back picks, there'd be nothing stopping me going a Jordan Ridley, Caleb Daniel, Christian Salem combination and keeping him as D1 and D2. You know, you'd have two hits and you'd D1, D2 pretty much. Yeah. Nice. He's, he's, a, he's a fascinating player to look at. I, I think he's going to deliver a better year than many are going to forecast that he does. I genuinely think he's going to push in and around that top 10 marker yet again for, for defenders. And certainly if you're not going to start with him, that's okay. Keep him as a genuine upgrade target because as the year goes on, He's shown that when he gets hot and on a rush and on a roll, he's good to go. He does have that round 13 multi-buy round. So maybe you're running, say, a Wayne Miller from the Crows um, and he's got the buy the round before. Maybe that's your strategy is I'm going to run Miller for 12 games, 13 games, and then I'm just going to, you know, whatever I've got to put on top to get a Ridley. I actually don't mind that type of a strategy and move um, if you don't want to start with him. All right, mate. Well, I appreciate your thoughts uh, today, Rids, uh, on the namesake, Jordan Ridley. Uh, no worries, mate. Now, I'll just leave you with one interesting point with AFL Fantasy, okay? Mm. Everyone seems to be jumping on Zach Williams, correct? Correct. Ridley's 
60,000, less than 60,000 more than Zach Williams in AFL fantasy. I think he's got more improvement in him average-wise than what Zach Williams does. And Zach Williams is very dependent on actually getting midfield roles at his new club. I think that absolutely screams like a point of difference. And it's and a one for the heck of it either. Of one because he can match or go better than. 100%. It's an actual real one. It's not a point of difference for picking someone unique. It's actually a real point of difference here. It's yeah, absolutely like it. stunning. feel like an episode without your reads, without you throwing something curly at us towards the back end of the episode. So, mate, you've given us something to think about with Jordan Ridley, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on in the next couple of days. Catch ya. Uh, if you want to go and check out the article that is online now, that is at coachespanel.tv, both for Jordan Ridley and all the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. If you love these podcasts, uh, you can get early access to them by joining our Patreon supporter group. All the links for that are at coachespanel.tv. And if you are loving these podcasts, uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share, stream, rate, review, pretty much tell everybody you know that plays fantasy footy about the Coaches Panel podcast episodes. And we're back again tomorrow with another interesting player of the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah,